This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome, everybody. It's another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you. A little bit of a different show on tap for tonight. It's going to be all baseball. Yes, the sport that isn't going on but should be right now in the middle of spring training games uh, and ramping up to the season. Of course, the lockout and uh, news earlier this week that the first two series have officially been canceled. So the most games that will be played this year is 156 games. And uh, we'll get into that and much more. Matt, uh, how are you doing? doing well and i know that this is a podcast you've been looking forward to for a long time as much as we both love the vikings uh your true passion is the game of baseball america's pastime so i think that i I think you should start by reminding people of your background so that uh, they know just how much you know (laughs) about uh these issues well and you said baseball is is my passion for sure. I would say baseball is my favorite sport and the Vikings are my favorite team. I don't know if I've said that before on this show, but like the way I would explain that is like, if you just took the sports by themselves, yes, baseball is the one I've been most involved with. I worked in baseball for 10 years before going to law school this year. And, um, but if I had to pick one team to win a championship, it would be the Vikings. I love football too. And I know what the Vikings mean to Minnesota you know, they're just far and away the championship would mean the most. And the Twins have won it twice. Yes, when we were both two, that's when they last won it. And that was the last major sports title for the state of Minnesota. If you take out the the Minnesota Lynx, that's the last time a pro team has has won in Minnesota. So I was, uh, I wanted to be a play-by-play guy uh, growing up. I didn't have table until I was about a junior in high school, listened to John Gordon, and he was my hero, um, just listening to his games on the radio. And uh, then went to USC with the, with the goal of becoming a, a play-by-play broadcaster. Long story short, was a play-by-play broadcaster in many different cities across, uh, across the, this uh, great country. And uh, my last job before, uh, before COVID hit was with the Fort Myers Miracle, now the Mighty Muscles, who are a Class A advanced they were class A advanced. Now they're low A of the, of the Minnesota twins. And I did PA announcing for the twins did sales and media relations in baseball. So I have a lot of experience, um, especially on the, on the minor league side. And now, you know, working for the twins um, minor league affiliate in 2018 and 19 and 20, before we shut down, I'm lucky enough to know now a lot of the players in the upper minor leagues and in the big leagues with the, with the Minnesota twins. Um, some names that come to mind, uh, Luis Rice, Alex Kirilov. Um, they've both gotten there. Royce Lewis hasn't got there uh, quite yet. Randy Dobnak, when he came to the big leagues in 2018, began the year in high A with, uh, that was 2019, sorry. 2019 began the year in high A with us, ended the year on the mound at Yankee Stadium in the postseason. We won't talk about how that game turned out, but it's still a remarkable story um, to, to follow from undrafted to pitching in the playoffs at Yankee Stadium. So um, just a lot of players and then players who made their big league debuts this past year, like uh, Bailey Ober and Charlie Barnes and 
I'm trying to think who else. Ryan Jeffers, uh, Alex Kirloff, Trevor Larnick. Uh, just we were re we were really lucky. We won the championship in 2018 uh, with Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff. 2019, we may have won another one with Toby Gardenhire. Yes, Ron Sun as the manager, who's now the manager of the AAA St. Paul Saints. Um, we had qualified for the postseason. A hurricane that was supposed to hit Florida in our area on the Gulf Coast of Florida, uh, Hurricane Dorian wiped out the postseason. The hurricane didn't hit, and we didn't get a chance to defend our, our title. Then COVID hit in, uh, in 2020, no season at all. So we actually held on to the traveling trophy in 2018, 19, and 20. Finally, last year, they, they played a modified playoffs because even last year, remember, was affected by COVID. The minor league season started a month late, but I wasn't working for the team uh, at, at that time anymore. So, um, yeah, that's like the, the Cliff Notes version. I mean, if, if, you, if you go further back, you know, I worked for affiliates of the Nationals, uh, Nationals, Blue Jays, Astros, and Rockies before the twenty. So, like, one of the first big players I covered was Anthony Rendon. Um, and on that double-A Nationals team I covered, we had Anthony Rendon, Blake Trinan. Those are two of the big, big names there. Uh, the close, one of the bullpen guys for the Dodgers. Then, uh, let's see, who in, uh, oh, Ramon Laureano, outfielder for the A's, was on my Astros team before he got traded to the, to the A's. Uh, with the Rockies, Brendan Rodgers, Garrett Hampson, Jonathan Daza, they're, they're all in the big leagues now. Uh, with the Rockies, we had a really good team. Went to the championship out in the California League. And yeah. And then a lot of guys who are going to make their big league debuts, which is why I am eagerly anticipating this season, even though the Twins, uh, I think, are in a pretty bad spot right now in a lot of ways uh, with, with just how last year went and how this season's looking. But we really don't know what their team's going to look like because there's like 300 players on the side. But I do think they have a lot of young, exciting players ready on the cusp to make their debuts. And whether they win uh, big or lose big or do okay this year, that's going to be fun for me to follow on a personal level, just knowing a lot of these guys. And I think it will be fun for, for Twins fans to, to follow as well. I know they're tired of not hearing about the crop of minor leaguers. They want to win and win in the postseason especially. But, uh, but yeah, I could go on all day. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. You open the can of worms. You ask me. Well, and where you have the in-depth knowledge, I have uh, the uh, I bring the casual fan experience to it. Where I've obviously uh, watched a lot over the years. Do dabble in fantasy baseball, uh, and you know, enjoy watching the games. Enjoy going to games, but don't live. But that's what we game. need. That that well, and I was gonna. That's say, why it's good say. because you are the majority of baseball fans. And I think that that's where turning to our discussion and it, it'll be helpful. Is you you know as we debate about the future of baseball, especially given this dangerous time uh, with you know the opening games being canceled i we have to think about what the future of the game is and how we bring your probably more purist um perspective about the sport together with my casual fan perspective because i know we both agree on this I, this 
uh, labor dispute is bad for the game. And they've got to do some things to change the games because the games are too long and people are having trouble staying engaged over you know the length of a game on tv or on the radio and the length of the season um and you combine that with the labor dispute and the impact of covid specifically on baseball where it got the the brunt of it um and the fact that they have trouble marketing their star historically good players uh in some cases right now like the other sports do so i know that's what we're going to yeah. kind of get into but we're i mean where well, do we i think start i think I, I think you you yeah there was a lot you touched on there that was really good um i think we just briefly touch on the financial components but honestly people are tired of hearing about the financial components and who is more responsible i have my opinions i'll give them but but i think the sad thing is, and I said this when I called into the Common Man program on the fan with Mark Rosen yesterday. I didn't tell you about this. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was just driving by and uh, or just driving, you know, coming back from an appointment. And uh, they were talking about the lockout and there were about 15 minutes left in the show. So I figured I'd, I'd call in and uh, had a great conversation with the Common and, and Rosie and, uh, and Tenna B. But it was funny. Rosie was trying to ask me all these serious questions and comments in there, of course, dropping his comedic lines and asking me if I'd rather broadcast the World Series or the Florida State League Championship. So, you know, it, it, it was it was fun. I'll, I'll you, you, we'll post that audio uh, on our Twitter. We, we definitely should. And, and of course, you get him in the last 15 minutes where we know he's just totally phoning it in uh, oh, yeah. you know, at that point anyway. So <laughs> there's no way he's going to actually be serious. No, no, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the financial component, I think, Cliff Notes version is this. And I, I am biased towards the players. I rode on buses with minor leaguers. Uh, and some of this, by the way, is about minor leaguers indirectly because it's when they first get up to the big leagues, how many years it takes to become free agents, what's the minimum salary, all that. I'm not even going to get into that. I'll put it simply like this. And I've seen these data points and you can look these up for yourself. If you look like the past 20 years, say, of baseball, the MLB salaries, and what I mean by that is the club salaries, these owners' salaries, not salaries, revenues, sorry. MLB revenues have gone up astronomically. Player salaries have gone up slightly or in some years gone a little bit down, in some years stayed relatively the same. So if you actually look at a graph, that's the best way I can, and I've seen this in a graph, that's the best way I can explain it though. If you look at two lines, starting from where they were 20 years ago, give or take, the MLB revenue line has gone up at a steep diagonal. The player salary line has barely budged. And there you have, you want to know why they're so pissed? There you have it, bottom line. Now, are there some issues here? You know, 
how the negotiations have gone, all that. Yeah, that's just getting into the weeds. When it comes down to it, that's the issue. And I saw a great, I don't always agree with uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN. Don't like some of, some of the way he sees the game. And, um, but I will say this, he made a great point. The, in other businesses, the, the workers produce a lot of times, not all, but a lot of times the workers produce the product, right? Just like think of an assembly or, or whatever it is. The workers produce the product. Take, for example, my job when I was in sales or broadcast. The, 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 I was selling a product. I was broadcasting a game. They could get another one of me. I'd like to think I was a good broadcaster and I'd be hopefully better than the other guy they got, but that's subjective. You know, they can get another guy. They can get another salesman. If you took out the top 100 MLB players and replaced them with the next 100 best you could find, the product would suffer drastically. It's hard to explain how much it would suffer. So what Passon was saying is they don't produce the product. They are the product. They are the product. And, and a lot of times, and I'm not saying I feel so bad for them. They're making six-figure salaries in a lot of cases. But a lot of people focus on the Garrett Cole contracts, on the, the massive deals. And there's no doubt some guys get massive deals. The majority of guys don't even hit that first free agency. And, and it takes six years in the big six years of service time in the big leagues before they become a free agent. So think about it like this, a guy gets drafted out of high school or college and he goes into the minor leagues. Let's be really, let's say he's really good. He gets to the big leagues in three years. That's a pretty quick time, even for a good college player. But let's, let's say that three years. And then he plays six years in the big leagues. If, he, if that's not interrupted by being sent down, sometimes it might take seven, eight years. Most of these guys are 30 plus by the time they hit free agency. So the, the owners have it made. They, and now even more so with the hesitancy to give out bigger contracts, unless the guy's like in his mid to late twenties, by the time they hit free agency, they've beat, they're beyond the peak years. So they don't need to pay them top dollar. So, it is, I know we're talking about a lot of millionaires here. By the way, most of the players, though, are not millionaires. They're not. Um, and they have to put in a lot of baseball players, more so than any other sport, with maybe the exception of hockey, have to spend a ton of time in the minor leagues to get there where they're not paid well at all. And if they're not a high draft pick, they didn't get a huge signing bonus. It's hard for some of them to afford to stay in the game. So that's my take on the, the salary situation. So I, I, for the most part, agree with you. I, um, I think what the owners are doing is really bad. Um, I think that it is deceptive to focus on your highest paid players. Um, and it comes at the expense of your minor league system. I agree with the point that there are very few people can do what they do and the product would suffer greatly if they weren't compensated. I think that applies, uh, you know, across most of the major sports. 
um, and the revenue that they produce. I agree that, you know, the owners aren't doing that much. They are, you know, forking out the cash at the front end, but most of the time they're, they're also getting publicly funded stadiums and, you know, they're running profitable businesses. Um, I, I think the other piece, and I agree with you, you know, we're touching on this is I think what the owners have been doing with time served and how they're manipulating it with these players rights has been bad and abused and unfair. Chris you know, Bryant, I think best example. The that. Chris Bryant example. Chris I mean, Bryant, it was really bad. Any baseball fan knows that. Yeah. Um, I would, and I, the best comparison I can make to it is we, you know, in most jobs, you could, you have the ability to potentially leave and pursue another job. Now, some people sign contracts and media and others, and they're bound by that. And then if non-competes and those, you know, even if they terminated early, but then those, you know, non-competes and, but like these guys are locked in, they can't go to another team and the, and there's, you know, if they don't like what the deal is, they can hold out, but then they just lose the money. And so they are giving up a lot. The one food for thought I would put out there and, and you know, to the highest paid players who want to wrap themselves with minor league players and say, we're doing it for them. A natural trade-off you could consider is baseball with the exception of Kirk cousins. Uh, you know, baseball is the only sport remaining where you sign these big contracts and it's pretty much fully guaranteed in most instances. It is. It is fully guaranteed. And so to me, there is an opportunity to change that dynamic um, on the top end of it. And I get the owners are being greedy. Don't get me wrong. And they're torpedoing their sport. But if it really is about the, the minor leaguers, an area where the higher paid, the upper echelon who deserve all the money they should get uh, or could make, there could be some give or take there. Um, in order to raise the starting salary and address some of the other dynamics at play for minor leaguers and the game more broadly, veterans minimums, et cetera, without really giving that much. Because I still think a lot of these guys, if they're good, are going to you know get most of that con- those contracts. Um, but you're avoiding a, you know, a Kevin Brown type of situation where signs a, you know, a, you know, hundred million dollar plus deal is injured the entirety of it and you know and still gets it for not pitching anything so there's got to be i don't know what you do in the collective bargaining agreement on that because i don't know enough to say that there does it stipulate that all the contracts are fully guaranteed but i do think that that's one area where the players could move beyond doing things about expanded playoffs or you know uh, you know some of the other things that the well another are- thing this kind of goes into the second part of our discussion. Uh, the reason, I mean, let's just let's just put this out there. The reason NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed is because of the injury risk. Well, guess what? Pitchers are getting injured more now than ever before, and that's partially due to the to the infatuation with guys who throw 100 miles an hour and taking them out after five innings all the time. Guess what? When they pitched more innings, they got hurt less. And it wasn't just because they pitched more innings. It was a number of things, training methods. There's, there's a lot to go into there. 
that's beyond the scope of this show. And we need to bring on strength and conditioning experts and all that and talk to some people who really know their stuff with regard to that. But what we do know is pitchers are getting injured more, more, despite pitching less. So that's another problem. And that leads in to part two. So part two is the more important part that's going to totally not get addressed because all they're focused on right now is getting back on the field, which they should be. They have to, right? But baseball was struggling before this whole controversy happened. They have the oldest fan base among any sport. It's just getting older. They're not attracting younger fans. And to be quite honest with you, even people, and I talked to people who work in the game. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, these are the biggest baseball fans you'd meet. And we think the game is boring right now, the way the game is played. And I used to hate when people would say, oh, baseball's boring. But they would more say it from a, you know, naturally. They just didn't like baseball. And baseball's not boring if you know baseball. But the, the way the game is being played right now is boring, is boring. Why? Because there's too little action. There's too much dead time between when a ball is hit and play. Think about this. Everybody who likes to rag on the NFL is like, oh, there's, you know, in a three-hour game, there's only like 10 minutes of real action. But guess what? We were talking about this off air last week. There's only 30 tops 40 seconds between plays. How much time is there oftentimes you have a full half inning where a ball is not hit in play. Like, can a strikeout be exciting to watch? Yeah, if it's a dominant pitcher just dealing, sure. But, like, you've got to have more action. You've got to have more action. Strikeouts are up. Walks are up. Home runs are up. And, and, and home runs are action to some degree, but not as much as, like, a diving play. up. You know, home runs are fine. But, like, there's so many now where it's, like, it's not as exciting. Chicks don't dig the log balls, but <laughs> you, you know what? Like, there's not enough action, and I think I have some solutions for that. But react to that first. As the casual fan of the two of us, I could not agree with you more. And we talked about this off air. You know, watching a game on TV, I'll tune in for a half inning. I'll I'll turn it to something else briefly to check a score. I'll come back. If the game's not back on, I'll go back, watch another, you know, sporting event for a little bit. I'll go back to the game. It's still not on. And eventually I just stay on the other thing for 10 minutes and check in occasionally with the, with what's going on in the baseball game, because the innings take way too long because the pace of game is so slow because there aren't enough balls in play to your point. And it's become a game where it's strikeouts, walks, home runs, exactly as you were saying, and nothing in between. And it, you know, Going to a baseball game in person is a special experience in the summer. But like how many, how many images, it's almost like baseball's in on the joke because how many times on TV do they show the young fan at the game, the, the six, seven, eight year old that's asleep because the yeah. games are too long. I mean, and those it, are the ones is, who are, those are the ones who are still there and they start, yes. the twins did a good thing. I'll say this, the twins, started some games, especially earlier in the season, earlier, like 6.30, 6.40. That's good. That's good. They should do that. In the Florida State League, we started some games at 6. They should do that to cater more to families, especially during during the week. But it, it's 
it's yeah. the games are short even with that the games take too long and the so games i know take too you know, long but they but they're and a lot of people are focused too much on total time of game and not enough on the lack of action within the game and that's the but deeper I, problem i think it's both I both matter both matter i think it's threefold i you know and we alluded to this before I think it's not enough action in game and the, and the and it's taking too much time. You know, there's not enough action in the game. The games themselves take too long. And then I think the season is too long. So I'll give a few ideas I have first, and then, you know, you can react to those and give yours. Um, and I think that they need to have minimum or excuse me, maximum one minute in between half innings i know that that yeah, you, you know, gotta people, go and you gotta go a minute and a half at least in the minors in the minors it's shorter than that minute and a half but i but i agree uh, they but can shorten that you can i mean and or you can wait until they're all off the field or whatever or yeah we can we can we can do a minute and a half really but the point is is that the the commercial breaks you know in between as a fan watching and the time in between um you know half innings it's too much and they got to keep it going think of how the nfl even does like the game breaks where it's like they're going to show a commercial on the side but they're still there in the game you know they've got the the, baseball's got to get with the times and speed that up because it'll keep the pace of the game going and it will keep people interested and it will stop people like me from changing the channel so often and then maybe not coming back so that's one thing um within the game i you know i know we're gonna you're gonna talk about pitch clock i'll say that for you since you have more experience than that i would say for me i don't need baseball in november i've got no interest in baseball in november it's too late in the season it's getting too cold it's bad for the game and it just it it's not a november sport to me it's a summer sport and so i think they need to shorten the number of games uh in the regular season so that people aren't um losing interest and um disengaging from just the the slog of 163 games. So I think that they need to cut at least a month off to shorten it and to have the playoffs be in October and wrapped up by the end of October so you get a nice transition. You, know, you could have it before of that. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, most, most of the time, to be fair, most of the time the playoffs do end by the end of October. It's rare when it goes into November, but they could end it by the beginning of October. I'd be fine with that. I, you know, yeah. I, 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 to me, I think then you you're should. not competing as much once you get into the heart of football season either. You'll just compete yeah. a little bit with it, but not as much. I, I agree. I think baseball should really playoffs should be in September. And if you go into a little bit of October, fine, but none of this start in October, you know, leak into November thing. And so you cut that off in between, uh, you know, or, you know, on the front end or excuse me, on the back end of the, the season. And when they start, I mean, on top of it, they start calling up all of the, you know, I know people want to see the young guys and get them tryouts and major league experience and all that. But the last month of the season, yes, you can get some exciting playoff races, but for a lot of these teams, it's a waste anyway. It, it's, it's all just, it, it's not, you're not even seeing the regular team. So that's where, you know, I would start. Um, but I, I, I agree with having a pitch clock, but I, I'll leave that one to you to talk through more since well, I, you can speak I, experience. Yeah, with I that. agree with that. I wouldn't go much, I wouldn't go much fewer than 130 games, but I think you could knock off some. Uh, no question. It would be a little shame with the records, you know, because baseball is such a, such a record driven sport, but I think for the health of the game, you need to do that. 
they did used to have 154, and then they went to 162. So the games have changed. The number of games has changed before, but I think you could cut 20, 30 off, no, no doubt. Um, I have three things that, that I've been saying for a long time, and then a bonus fourth based on a conversation I had yesterday. Number one is the pitch clock. I used to be skeptical of that. So to your old school people out there, I am old school when it comes to baseball. You know, I was coached and coached with old school people in high school uh, and, and after when I coached uh, at, our, at our high school league. Um, and they taught me the game the right way. And um, I'll forever be indebted to them. Um, I was skeptical of the pitch clock till I saw it in action in 2018 and 19 in Fort Myers. It worked brilliant. They had a grace period where they didn't call it. Then they started calling it for about a couple of weeks. It was bad. Uh, well, I'll tell you the full story sometime, but we did have Luis Arise rung up on a strike three in the eighth inning of a close game. And our manager subsequently got tossed <laughs> because it was a little too strict of a call. So you got to be judicious uh, when, you, when you call it. But you can also, by the way, a lot of people don't know this, they can also call violations on the batter. And to that point, Luis Arise got called for a violation for not being in the box. And I think he was in the box. But anyway, um, that helps tremendously. 20 seconds between pitches speeds up the game. That would do, if it's enforced, that would do wonders. We rarely had a game over three hours. Partially it's because it was a really, really big pitchers league. So you'd still have games over three hours, but I think you'd have a lot more action. You'd have a lot more flow to the game. Second, uh, raise the strike zone. If you want to get more action, you need to get hitters better pitches to swing at. Um, and right now, I mean, now I will say this though, pitchers, because of the launch angle stuff and these uppercut swings that the hitters have, the adjustment for pitchers has been, we're going to pitch up in the zone. And they have this thing called, you know, carry now, uh, which is yeah, basically your ball rises a little bit. It's an advanced stat and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. A huge sabermetrics guy, but it, that does have some merit. So pitchers are pitching at the upper, upper part of the zone now because that's the hole in a lot of hitters' swings. Like think even Aaron Judge, most of the pitches he strikes out on are pitches up in the zone. And you, you always want him to keep the ball up the knees, maybe change the eye level late, uh, but that's not the case now for a lot. But I do think you raise the strike zone and hitters will have better pitches to swing at and therefore want to swing more. And then the third thing would be just on a grander scale, market the players better. Market the players better. Um, and, and I don't know what the solution is to that, but the fact that Mike Trout is not, a, is not bigger than he is, and that's partially on him. Like, he doesn't want to do a lot of that stuff. That's not his personality. But the, the fact that baseball hasn't made better use of that generational talent, one of the best players to ever play the game already. Um, and, you know, it's like baseball's the American dream. A lot of these guys are – come from Spanish-speaking countries like the Dominican, like Venezuela, Albert Pujols, probably had the best 10-year stretch to start a career in the history of the game. And outside of baseball, he's not very popular nationwide. I mean, and he speaks great English too, by the way. So it's not really a language. A lot of these guys have really improved their English skills, which should make them even more marketable in the United States. And 
it's just uh, it's just a sad thing. I mean, even Aaron Judge. Think about this. This is a great example. Yankees, most popular team in baseball, one of the biggest brands in all of sports. Still, you could probably name 30 NFL players who are more widely recognized than Aaron Judge. And that's putting it kindly. It might be more like 40, 50, 60. That tells you your problem right there. And again, I don't have a great solution to that. And then my bonus thing, number four, would be you've somehow got to get the fundamentals back into the game. And I talked to a guy yesterday, works in pro baseball in the minor leagues, used to work in college. He said he watched a college game. When he watches a college game, guys are more likely to hit the cutoff man than a low A professional game. You know, and just the little things, the hit and runs, the, the getting big, bigger leads, uh, you know, getting a bigger secondary lead. The guys are slow to home plate, so we're going to run them. I mean, some of this stuff is still in there, but the strategy is not in there as much. I wish when the Kansas City Royals won the World Series that more people took note. They hit the fewest number of home runs in baseball. Fewest number. But what happened in that, in that World Series? Well, in the ALCS against the Blue Jays, Eric Hosmer scored from first base on a single. Why? Because their advanced scouting was phenomenal. And, and they knew that Jose Bautista spun and fired it in the second base. If you don't remember this play, look it up. But the third base coach did a remarkable job. Just little things like that. And think back to when all of us played the game. We didn't want to be standing around. We wanted to be stealing bases. We wanted to be making diving catches. We wanted to be executing perfect hit and runs. And that's just gone from a lot of the professional game. It's not at the college level. It's not at the high school level. It is at the pro level because it's like, and where's the two-strike approaches? Where's the bunting? All that stuff somehow, I, I, I wish it would be brought back into the game and maybe there'll be a course correction because, and, and I'm hoping a team like the Royals wins the World Series again <laughs> or somebody who plays it like the Royals because it, it's, it's just like people did not take notice. And then even the Washington Nationals, they win it with starting pitching. Yet people are still pulling their pitchers after five innings or, or fewer. Five innings is a lot for a guy to pitch in the postseason for a starter. So there's so many deeper issues. And, and sadly, because of the financial stuff going on right now, these deeper issues are getting pushed to the side. Definitely. So I, I want to end on just a quick rapid fire of other crazy bonkers uh, ideas. So just uh, you will you give a quick answer and you know what you think, and I'll give mine. But uh, no extra innings, just allow ties. Yes or no? No, but in the regular season, I would end it after eleven or twelve innings in a tie. Limited extra innings, no runner on second base. Play the game like real, but end it in a tie. I I'm I like your modified version of it. I but I think none of these eight. 18 inning games you know but uh, you know give it a couple extra I, I like that you know but cap it um uh another one would be I mean fire Rob Manfred <laughs> I think it, the owners can take care of that but uh it's not on us that's not a decision for us but you know my opinion uh yeah it would be a, a definite yes to me uh for me 
shortening the number of innings played? No, no. Uh, I think you, you need nine innings. The other solutions we recommended would be better if it gets really drastic, maybe, but no. I, I, I'm no for now, but I agree that it's, if it, things don't get better, it's, it, it's going to have to be considered moving the mound uh, in some capacity. Interesting. If it, that is very interesting. If it, if it would, if you can show me that it might impact more action in the game, I'm open to that because hitters are huge. I mean, hitters have an advantage right now because of the way, you know, I don't know the, 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 the way the baseball is and all that, but it's also pitchers are better than ever now. And, and one reason strikeouts are up is the approach of the hitters. Another reason that we didn't even mention the pitchers are damn good. Their stuff is nastier than ever. And when they have to go, when they know they're not going to, that's another thing. When they know they're not going to go seven, eight, nine innings and can just empty the tank in five, their stuff's even going to be better. So that is something I would definitely consider. Uh, how about like a, a delay, you know, almost a delay of game penalty for, you know, related to pitching changes or, you know, going with your pitch count where well, you have, the. Yeah. What, and I don't know what it is now, but I'm I'm thinking something along the lines of the other team gets someone on base. I wouldn't go that far, but I think with the pitch clock, something I did not explain adequately was the penalties. The penalty is for for a hitter who's not in the box, a strike is called, and that could be strike three. Uh, for for a pitcher, a ball is called. So if if that doesn't help right there, then maybe you go further. But I think you start with that. And so my, I would go further if only because of to the point of getting more balls and play and more action. If you get someone on base and some of this other things, maybe it's getting more runs, more people, you know, involved. Um, and then the last one, uh, universal DH. It's happening. That's one thing they've agreed on. I'm a no on that, but I, I see why people want it, but I think that even lessens strategy even more because when a pitcher is rolling, it's not even the double switch. The double switch is cool. I, I think it's cool. A little overrated by NL fans, but it's, it's, it's what it is. But I think the, the big strategy is when you have a pitcher dealing, it's a close game. He's coming up with runners on base. Do you keep him in the game? That is the strategy. And that's sad that that's, that that's going. And there's something to be said for every player playing the field. But on the positive side, it does keep – some really good hitters around longer in their careers. And we'll end it there. That was very fun. Uh, I wish we were doing this under different, I mean, I was looking forward to a baseball conversation and previewing the season more, but since we don't know when it's going to begin, when we do know when it's going to begin, we will get some twins guests on. This is a Minnesota sports show. So this is, we're talking globally here because this affects the Twins. This affects all baseball and all the fans. And I feel for the fans right now. I feel for spring training employees, uh, seasonal employees, ushers, concession workers, uh, it, people, these, these minor league facilities that make a lot of their income from spring training. Um, it's too bad. A lot of people are affected by this that, that 
most people will never know their names. So it's, it, it is, it's really too bad. But since we are a Minnesota show and we stay focused for the, for the most part, we will bring on, I have plenty, I have more connections to Twins guests than, than any other you know, sports team in town. So we will bring on a bevy of, a bevy of guests. I'm already thinking of them through my mind. And uh, through the summer, hopefully, I mean, I think they'll have a season, whether it starts in May or June or hopefully in April, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk Minnesota Twins baseball. Yeah, that'll, uh, uh, I hope you're right. Hopefully it happens here soon, but uh, uh, good conversation. And then we'll preview them at a later date. Next week, I haven't told you this yet, but I have the biggest Kirk Cousins fan I have, I have seen on Twitter and he's locked in for next week. So he will be coming on next week uh, and we'll see, we'll see. He's not even from Minnesota. So this is going to be very interesting. I'll just leave it there. I'll tell you who it is, and we'll we'll make it happen. So look forward to that next week. Uh, for all you people who are missing a week of Kirk Cousins talk, we have it for you next week again. If you're a hater, you might not want to tune in next week. <laughs> all right. For Matt Galvin, I'm Marshall Kellner. We'll talk to you guys next time.